Welcome to the new Unmasking the Abuser podcast series. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. I'm a social psychologist, domestic violence expert, and the author of the book, But He Says He Loves Me. Have you ever wondered why so many women experience domestic violence? If you don't think it's common, you haven't been paying attention. According to the World Health Organization, the risk of experiencing abuse at least once in their lifetime averaged out across the world for women, is one in three. If you do the math on that, that comes out to more than 1.16 billion girls and women who have been or will be physically or sexually assaulted by a current or former romantic partner. So what's going on? Are some women just drawn to abusers? Do abusers have some kind of magic spell they cast over their victims? Well, it's not quite magic, but there is something abusers do that draws in unsuspecting teen girls and women. In this podcast series, I'm going to show you exactly what that is. I call my program and this series Unmasking the Abuser because I expose information abusers don't want you to know. Each episode will only be around a half hour. That's because the information will be new and different and your brain needs to be able to process it in the same way your stomach needs to process a large meal. Each episode is going to lay out another piece of crucial information you won't find anywhere else. This means I will be revealing specific tips and knowledge that you can use right away to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. In this first episode, we're going to talk about abusers. First, we're going to discuss some key facts about them. Then we'll look at the reasons abusers are the way they are, how they really think and feel. And you may be wondering, well, how did I find out? After working for a decade dealing with various types of abuse in both the United States and Australia, I finally recognized that abusers use only a small set of manipulative moves when they are targeting a new partner. I was able to figure it out because social psychology studies the broad number of ways people can be influenced. We look at persuasion, coercion, manipulation, even brainwashing. Combining my field of social science with the knowledge I gained working in domestic violence in the field opened up a wealth of insight I wouldn't have had otherwise. It's important to note This knowledge is not something that's part of the wisdom that comes with age or because you've been involved with an abuser in your past or even in your present. None of the materials I've come across mention these tactics in detail. Also, none of the victims or survivors I've interviewed, and they number in the thousands, were aware of the specific types of manipulation that had been used on them by their abusive partner from the very start of their abusive relationship. Because of this, Unmasking the Abuser contains new information that's critical for all teen girls and all women of all ages. We're going to put a harsh spotlight on abusers' highly effective maneuvers so we can identify abusive relationships even at their start. We can spot this manipulation because the tactics they use are easy to recognize once you know what to look for. They're consistent because abusers use the same moves in the same order in each new relationship. And lucky for us, they're universal 
The key knowledge I'm sharing with you will apply to the abusers around you wherever you happen to live. Our time together will focus on the emotional and psychological abuse, not physical assault. After all, your life can be ruined by a man who never puts his hands on you in anger. And keep in mind, many abusive relationships never involve physical assault, or it only comes into play after the victim decides to leave. It's the emotional and psychological bonds woven by abusers that keep women trapped, as much as the lack of financial resources or the victim's fear of what the abuser will do if the victim leaves the relationship. Now, I want to tell you up front, nothing about these episodes is going to be complicated. They credit Einstein for saying, if you can't explain something simply, then you don't understand it well enough. So the Unmasking the Abuser series is designed to give you simple tools to help you avoid becoming entangled in an abusive relationship in real life. If you're caught up in one already, this knowledge will make the situation so clear it may help you find the resolve to get out and stay out. These tips will work regardless of your age, the amount of romantic experience you've had, and whether or not you've had an abusive relationship in your past. So let's get to it, starting with some basic information you need to know about abusers. As I mentioned, I've had in-depth interviews with close to 700 abusers of all ages, education levels, ethnic groups, and religions. Rich, poor, somewhere in the middle, handsome, homely, unremarkable looking. I've seen them all and spoken with them in sessions that they knew were truly confidential. That unless they threatened suicide or homicide, I had to take what they told me to my grave. They found this fact so reassuring, they pulled off their masks and were stunningly open and honest with me, even if I witnessed them later saying the exact opposite when their victim was in the room or when they were standing in a courtroom. You're listening to Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast series with Dr. Dina McMillan. Before we start with the basic need-to-know info about abusers, if you have any questions or comments, or if there's something I said you'd like more detail about, please email me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Please also contact me if you'd like to discuss in-person seminars or workshops or if you'd like to talk about sponsorship so we can keep this podcast series going. Now let me share some facts about abusers, as well as some facts about the people they seek for relationships. I use the word target to refer to the person being actively pursued by an abuser. A victim is someone in a relationship with an abuser. A survivor, someone who's had a relationship with an abuser in the past. Much of what I'm going to reveal in this half hour is based on the questions I hear often when I'm giving seminars or workshops. The first fact or question is about intention. I'm asked repeatedly, do abusers know what they're doing? Do they realize how they're manipulating their targets or their victims? Do they know what they're doing when they use threats or violence to intimidate and hurt? 
The unfortunate answer to those questions is a resounding, yes, they do. When I've spoken and listened to abusers in those up-close and personal confidential interviews, they all knew how and why they behaved the way they did. They admitted to me that they did it because it worked. Their manipulation, put-downs, criticisms, threats, even violence all got results. They also told me they knew if they would make promises later after their bad behavior to get help or promise they would never do it again, they knew they could get their victim to stay with them, even though they had no intention of keeping those promises. That includes their promises about their cruel or violent behavior. They'd easily promise it would never happen again or blame it on something temporary or a pitiful upbringing or their fear of losing their partner because they were so much in love. Most realized behavior promises were especially effective if they told their partner they needed her love and understanding to be a better man. They'd tell her they wanted to change, but they could not do it without her. She'd think, oh, I'm so important to him, not realizing he was thereby giving her partial responsibility for his behavior. That brings me to the next point. Abusers have what's known as an external locus of control. That's academic speak for someone who always blames whatever they do wrong on someone or something else. Abusers take full credit for whatever they do well or right, but won't take responsibility for what they do wrong. When the relationship is still new, the abuser will blame his bad behavior on stress, drinking, his boss, his ex, yada, yada, yada. Once a woman becomes committed to the abuser, he'll blame everything he does wrong on his partner. And then there's manipulation. Without skillful manipulation, most women would pay better attention to their instincts, warning them of danger. But did you know, by the time you meet an abuser, if he's at least in his late teens or older, he's been practicing his manipulative moves for years. Through trial and error, abusers figure out what gets them the relationship dynamic they want where their victim is emotionally and practically dependent on the abuser and totally under his control. This skillful manipulation does not require a genius IQ. Small children are often able to figure out which parent, grandparent, auntie, or uncle is responsive to begging and tears and which one will hold firm. Abusers are also notorious for gaining hints and tips about manipulation from each other. I've had many abusers admit to me they learned a lot from their court-mandated behavior change program, from men's rights online websites, from courses and books on getting to yes and manipulating other people, usually found in the sales section in the bookstores. Add to this a glance at women's magazines and listening to women talk about their romantic partners is usually sufficient to inform abusers what women want so they can pretend to offer it. Add in a bit of practice, plus a complete absence of guilt for lying, and voila, a stellar performance that seems completely believable. It may surprise you to know, or even shock you, that very little of the abuser's behavior is actually spontaneous or heartfelt, especially the nice things they do at the beginning when they're trying to convince their target they're a knight in shining armor. 
Their moves are actually practiced, planned, and scripted, like a well-rehearsed dance. Even when an abuser claims he's never done something before, it's just not true. He actually does this and says that in each new relationship in the same order. Over time, and even through research and tips from other abusers, they all learn how powerful certain steps are in building a bond with their target, claiming she's special and that she's getting them to do things they never thought they'd do or never thought they'd do again is incredibly effective in building a bond and firmly placing those rose-colored glasses on their target's eyes. When we get to the section on their tactics, I'll describe all of their maneuvers and how they will make you feel if you don't shield yourself from them. Another big factor to consider with abusers, they lie a lot and well. I've seen Academy Award level performances in court when abusers claim their vicious attacks on their partner were due to stress, drugs, a bad upbringing, or anything else the victim or the court will believe. They'll cry, swear they're so much in love, and that they'll never do it again. All this after revealing to me the details of how they're going to perform to get away with their crimes, knowing that I'm sworn to secrecy. They're ruthless and relentless in planning and practicing well ahead of their current relationship. None of the abusers I've interviewed was truly sorry or really determined to change his behavior. They may have said they'd change while they were in the courtroom or while they were trying to convince their victim to return to the relationship. They never expressed genuine remorse or the determination to change their ways while in a confidential interview with me. In fact, most abusers were actually proud of their ability to manipulate their partner and law enforcement and her family and social services and anyone else involved in their lives. They viewed what they were doing as acting to get what they wanted and what they felt they deserved. Many told me they were just protecting their own interests by behaving the way they did. For these guys, a toxic relationship with them fully in control of someone else's life, someone they could hurt and mistreat whenever they felt like it, was their birthright, was something they were due, was something they were owed. Before we end today, I want you to keep in mind abusers aren't that easy to identify other than by their manipulative behavior. While some abusers are obviously angry, antisocial, and what I sometimes describe as rattlesnake mean, if they were all like that, you wouldn't need me or this information. Most abusers look just like anyone else. A significant proportion are really charming at first and to outsiders. I've had so many victims cry with obvious relief because I believed what they told me when they revealed what was happening in the privacy of their homes because they said, and I quote, Everybody loves Bob. The tactics we're going to discuss will even expose the cunning, charming ones like the fictional Bob. Don't go. We're not done yet. The second question I hear a lot is, why are abusers like that? Why do they need so much control? Why do they feel the need to be so cruel and mean and manipulative? Why are they so demanding and malicious and vindictive? Well, abusers behave the way they do 
because of their characteristic psychology. I've labeled it abusive personality disorder. It's a combination of perceptions about themselves and others that I've witnessed in every abuser I've encountered. The elements I've identified with this disorder include malignant narcissism, which includes grandiosity, which means abusers believe they're superior to other people. Extreme selfishness, abusers are all take and very little give. Incredible vindictiveness, if defied or rejected. Their motto should be never forgive, never forget. They believe rules apply only to other people. Whatever they do to get what they want is okay in their minds. They have no real moral compass except for other people where they can be extremely harsh and rigid. They're very entitled. They feel they deserve privileges and special treatment. And they have no genuine empathy or compassion, although some will fake it for a short while if it gains them something they want. But often this is very superficial and not convincing. I've mentioned already they have that external locus of control. They don't feel responsible for what they do wrong. They're frequently cruel. They enjoy demonstrating power and hurting other people as long as those people are unable to effectively fight back. They have an abandonment complex. They tend to be very clingy because they're terrified of being left behind. It's also, in my view, the reason abusers don't like being single. Most will go from one relationship to the next. Many will juggle more than one relationship at the same time. They're pathologically jealous and possessive, even when they have more than one partner. By the way, this jealousy is often mistaken by women to mean genuine emotion and caring. It's not. It's ownership and possession. They tend to have comorbidities like antisocial personality disorder, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder. And with this, abusers have a very fragile psyche. In spite of their cruelty to others, their feelings and their pride are actually hurt very easily. They're prone to addictions, porn, gambling, alcohol, drugs. The fact that abusers' behavior is due to a persistent psychological disorder means they won't recover and become healthy partners and parents just because they participate for a few weeks in group therapy or a court-mandated behavior change program. In many ways, abusers are emotionally broken. Perhaps some can be healed through enormous motivation, extensive personalized therapy, and faith in a higher power like they talk about in AA and NA. But they have to do that alone. You cannot heal an abuser. If you allow one into your life, it won't mend the cracks in his heart. It will just result in you being broken too, along with any children the two of you have together. Remember, your first obligation is to protect yourself. Your second obligation is to protect your children. Abusers and men with their predatory mindset will take advantage of any kindness, compassion, or guilt you possess. Don't let them. So why am I mentioning feeling sorry for them? I say this because of the abusers I've interviewed or counseled, and remember that's close to 700, 87% of them were brought up in homes where their mother was abused or perhaps in a much smaller percentage, 
It was the mother who was the abuser for the children. In both scenarios, these boys were neglected and harmed during their childhood. I believed what they told me. You know how people often question why domestic violence seems to be passed down through generations? You hear people worry about the children witnessing their parent, usually their mom, being abused and the trauma it causes for the children. That's valid concern, but there's something missing. For one thing, it misses the increased risk for the children to be abused as well by the violent person who's also abusing their parent. But there's another factor that most people don't talk about. When you're involved with an abuser, abusers are hyper-jealous. It's one of their symptoms. We're going to talk about this more in future episodes. This pathological jealousy also shows up in relation to the children. I'll give you an example. A woman came to me to get an intervention order. That's a restraining order in the U.S. She told me she had a six-month-old son who was still being breastfed. When he would cry at night because he was hungry or distressed, her abusive husband would not allow her to go to the baby. He said he needed to man up. He told her it's daddy's time now. What would that little boy grow up to feel about his mother? Would he grow up feeling loved and supported or distressed with an abandonment complex? This is another way that being with an abusive partner can actively interfere with a mother's ability to nurture her children. It makes you sad, doesn't it? I felt sad when I heard that story, and I hope that mother found the courage and the resources to leave that abusive husband behind. If you feel bad about stories like this, become a mental health professional. An abuser's sad upbringing, even when true, is not sufficient reason to welcome an abuser into your personal life. The power dynamic you have with him in those cases will be such you won't be able to help him. He'll just brutalize you emotionally, psychologically, and perhaps even physically. I don't say this lightly. Being involved with an abuser is emotionally and psychologically costly. These key insights I'm sharing in this podcast series can help you avoid getting involved with an abuser. Or if it's already happened, it can reduce your risk of going back to an abusive partner or getting involved with another abuser. It's crucial for you to spot them early and get away as quickly and completely as possible. In our next podcast, we'll start at the very beginning. We'll talk about abusers' romantic preferences and how they choose who to target. If you're thinking to yourself, that won't happen to me, that couldn't happen to me, I'm too smart, I'm too savvy, I'm just not their type, or an abuser wouldn't want someone like me, don't you believe it? All women need to know how abusers' preferences shape the type of lures they use to draw in their targets and disguise their real motives. In the meantime, any questions or comments, please email me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. I hope you'll join me next time on Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast.